Good morning. How you doing? You can't beat Bob Ross. I win. I told you. I told you. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. So... Thank you. Appreciate that. We can go still. We can go out. So we'll go. We'll go out. I don't want you to be too too distracted from the goodness. Um, man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Good to have a little a little fun with you uh, as well. And uh, I want to make a quick reminder that next week, as crazy as this may seem, next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And uh, next Sunday, we will do one service that evening, 7 p.m. So going to be a million people here, you know, get here and, you know, get your seat so that, you know, people that don't know Jesus can't have one, you know. So I'm <laughs> kidding about that, obviously. Uh, you know, no, do do get here a little early, but uh, we probably will need help just kind of people kind of eyeballing the situation. I know our ushers will be uh, helping with the situation, but... Uh, uh, just, uh, you know, you know, dudes like give up seats, you know, for the ladies or whatever you got to do to get us all in here. So, uh, it'll, it'll be a good time. And, uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, and I want to welcome our buddy Matt home. Thank you so much to the Lord for bringing him home. We, uh, are in our Christmas series and, uh, today we're talking about that Christmas is joy. Uh, and, uh, we're going to, look at the scriptures to see what that means. And uh, we, uh, if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will gladly bring you one uh, so that you can uh, follow along through the scriptures. And uh, uh, we're going to look at a bunch of them today. So uh, just an FYI. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, today we're talking about joy. And uh, of course, we just sing joy to the world. You know, this, this idea of, you know, joy to the world um, is, um, is this amazing thing, you know, where, uh, you know, for, uh, forever in a day, people were, you know, anticipating the Messiah coming, anticipating Christ coming. And so, uh, you know, that anticipation, uh, really is what Advent is about. You hear, you know, churches talk about Advent, the Advent season and so forth. Uh, and really that's, that's talking about the anticipation for us to even celebrate uh, the birth of Christ as part uh, of, you know, well, as Christmas, you know, but as, you know, as we get closer to uh, Christmas Day, that the anticipation is kind of uh, like us anticipating, like it was uh, for them to anticipate Christ coming, um, you know, and the thought of Christ coming for us, uh, to me, brings up the idea of treasure and uh, we get excited for treasure, don't we? We 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 love treasure. I, I love uh, I, I love all things piratey, uh, and uh, you know I, I I just I just watch I you know I've I've gotten you know especially when I was sick for like five years here a couple months ago. Um, my goodness, uh, I think I watched everything that I ever want to watch, and I'm kind of done. And so like I actually recently just rewatched. Uh, I, I don't hardly ever do this. I rewatched one of these shows. It's like, you know, one of these shows of, you know, people on some island trying to dig up pirates treasure. I just can't stop myself from watching stuff like that. And, uh, you know, 
But, uh, you know, unfortunately, most of us are thinking about, when we're thinking about treasure, and especially at this time of year, uh, we're thinking about, uh, you know, the Christmas presents uh, and other possessions that we might be waiting in expectation of. Uh, and oftentimes, we're not thinking about Jesus and thinking about the expectation of waiting to celebrate his birth. And so, uh, you know, for many uh, of us that are, you know, waiting for something else, uh, today should be a reminder for us that this season is so much more uh, than that stuff, obviously. Um, And for all of them who waited for, you know, all their life and even into death, you know, waiting on this Messiah to come, uh, you know, what a crazy thing to think uh, that they anticipated with joy uh, you know, this, this idea of the Savior to come, and we anticipate with joy uh, celebrating what Christmas really is. You know, babies bring joy. Uh, we've had quite a few babies uh, born. Uh, baby Zeke comes to mind, uh, and uh, he's, he's had all kinds of stuff going on, and he is doing great. Uh, I think he is uh, already applying for colleges uh, and things. Uh, he's, uh, as, as mom, mama put it the other day, he's the Michelin baby. And, uh, but, uh, you know, baby, babies bring joy. And, I, and it reminds me of this passage uh, that goes along with this time of year. And it's from Luke 1. And if you remember this in Luke 1, we have this moment where Mary and Elizabeth get together and they're, they're both pregnant. They're both with child, right? And uh, if you remember this in Luke 1, verse 44, and if you don't remember, Elizabeth, by the way, uh, is Mary's aunt, but she is going to have a baby that we would come to know as John the Baptist, who God sent to her in her older age years, uh, you know, for, uh, and, and they didn't think they would have a baby, uh, and then obviously, you know, blessed Mary and Joseph with having a baby that would be Jesus, and so, you know, they get together to hang out for a bit, and we see this moment where when they come together, the baby in, in Elizabeth's womb, Luke 1, verse 44, it says this, it says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So, you know, even, even John the Baptist, as a baby in the womb, with just being near Jesus in the womb of Mary when she talked just leapt for joy uh, because, you know, the Lord was at hand. He was doing his thing. I mean, this is some crazy stuff. And then you and then you take in, for example, you know, what happened with the wise men. And when the wise men got their sign, you know, which, of course, was the star, it says this in Matthew 2.10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And so the joy theme is a huge part of the story that we know as Christmas and a huge part of the story of God that he has woven in for us and for great reasons and for great life-changing reasons for us today that we should walk away from, from this today with an understanding that God wants to do something great in our lives, and he wants us to have great joy. He really does. Like, I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. I'm saying it because it's biblical, and I want us to look at that today. 
Luke 2, verse 8, it goes on, and we read this last week, and it says this. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Last week we talked about that last verse there, at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that the angel came and then the whole, and then this whole heavenly host came, all these other angels came to, to send this message that was so important that, that the one angel that came in the night from the stratosphere, from, from the kingdom of God, right? You know, that it wasn't good enough for just the one angel to share it, that the, that the heavenly host would come and join him to share it. And we have this moment, he says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And last week we talked about that peace. This week we talk about the joy. And I go back to verse 10. And I ask the question, as we read verse 10 again, we'll, we'll ask a question in a minute. It says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The question, what is the good news of great joy? What is the good news of great joy? It's something for all the people. We know that much, right? And so... We'll come back to the question, but I want us to look at joy in the scriptures for a few minutes. You know, one of the biggest, I think, uh, quick to go to passages when it comes to joy is found in the book of James. You know, James is uh, such a great practical uh, book. If, if you're looking for, if you're looking to just get involved in reading scripture and you haven't done that in some time, or maybe you've never done that, James is a great place to start. It's very practical. Uh, you can read just a, a short piece of it, spend time meditating on that, let the Lord speak to your heart through it. I mean, uh, it, it, it'll do great things for you. The Lord will speak to you in great ways through it. But it starts out in James chapter 1, and in verse 2, it says this about testing your faith. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various uh, trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, if you read the rest of that passage right there, you'll find that it lists out all these trials of various kinds. And that sounds great, right? It sounds fantastic that we could have the ability to just, you know, consider it all joy when we're in trials of various kinds. But when we're actually in trials of various kinds, we don't always just jump to, I'm going to be happy about this. We just don't, right? 
And I think for a lot of us, I think if we're just being honest, I think it's important for us to ask the questions because it's hard for us sometimes to just have joy. It's hard for us sometimes to just be okay, to just muster up. And, you know, if you, you know, are reading through scriptures, I mean, you'll see a lot of times that we're called to have these emotions at times that oftentimes we're struggling to have. We're struggling to love someone who wronged us. We're struggling to have joy in the middle of a trial. We're, you know, we're struggling to do this or that. And the truth is, is it's because we're doing it alone. And we can't do it alone. We absolutely cannot do it alone. In fact, Piper says this. He says, Christian joy, and he actually takes this as a, as a part of a study on, on the book of Philippians, which, by the way, the book of Philippians is known as the book of joy, and Paul wrote the book of Philippians while he was imprisoned. The book of joy and he wrote it while he was in prison. So kind of let that sink in for a second. But in lieu of kind of the book of Philippians and a study he did on that, he says, the Bible says this about joy. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. I want to read that again because I, want you, I really want you to get this today. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's the, that's the linchpin to this statement. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So, that statement alludes to something that is so important to our faith, and I believe that so many Christians are missing because they're still looking for happiness in the world. If we're being honest, we're struggling constantly because we're looking for happiness in the world, and it ain't going to give it to you. Not going to do it. It's not going to work. I mean, yeah, you'll have short spurts, of happiness, you have moments of joy from, you know, experiencing things, buying things, you know, great things happening in our life. And, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong, I promise you, nothing wrong with enjoying things in the world. But there is this innate problem that we have with things of the world, good, good things and bad things, and that's that we make idols out of them. And when we make idols out of them, we worship those things, and we've, rep we've replaced the Lord with those things. You see, He created us to worship. He created us wanting to adore Him. But then we find something, right? You know, let's find the pot of gold, you know, and we can adore that, right? Some other treasure. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. When was the last time 
that you just spent really thinking on Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us. When was the last time that you truly just let your guard down and you just worshiped him? You just let him have what's really his. You adored him. You adored him above everything else in your life. This idea that this joy is produced by the Holy Spirit out of him helping us to see who Christ is is a fantastic place for us to start and understanding that, yes, there are days that we just don't feel like mustering up the joy, right? But it all changes when we spend time focused on Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit begins to help us. He helps us. He helps us understand the Word. He helps us understand the gravity of the cross. He helps us to understand the gravity of an empty tomb of death being overcome. Suddenly our hearts begin to change. And they bend. Suddenly things that were so important for us suddenly don't seem that important to us anymore. Suddenly those things are just, you know, just junk. Just stuff. Just things. Just opportunities. Right? Galatians 5, verse 22, helps us to see a little bit of this, helps us to understand. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, okay, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, we've got those nine things right there, okay? Those nine things are some of those things that I think we can go, you know what, sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes I struggle with the gentleness, right? Sometimes I struggle with the goodness, with the faithfulness, with the kindness. People cutting me off in traffic, Chris, you don't understand. I have a commute every day. The same dumb people are on the road, right? I understand. I'm with you. Okay? But here's what we need to understand about these things. Is that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us to attain them. And to be able to use them. For these things to flow through us is an act of the Lord in which glorifies Him and does something special ministering to others. Now, you may not recognize that your ability to not lose it on somebody that cuts you off in traffic might be a ministry of the Lord. But it can be. It can be. Right? God is for His glory and He is for your joy. He is for his glory, and he is for your joy. Chris, how do you know that? Well, first of all, I don't, I, I, if, if, unless you just, just showed up at 24 like five seconds ago, 
I, we shouldn't have to even discuss the for his glory. Like we talk about that every week, you know, and I don't mind talking about it now either, but I'm just saying like it is all over the scriptures that God is about making himself known that he created us even for his glory, right? And, and why would he do that? Why would, why would he do that? Because he is the way. And, and he loves us and he cares for us and he wants us to know him and he wants us to have a relationship with him, right? And so if he's the way and he's got, and he's got, you know, the cure for our sin, the cure for our death, the cure for our forgiveness, the cure for us to be able to have life, right? Then he, then, then he would want us to know Him. He would want us to know those things. He would want us to trust in Him. He would want us to be saved. And He sent His Son to do exactly that on our behalf, right? So, what about the joy? He's for His glory and He's for our joy? How do we know that? John 15, 11. First of all, John 15 is this passage of Scripture where Jesus is teaching and he's talking about that I am the vine. You remember this, right? That I am the vine and you are the branches. And, as he, and he's talking through this stuff. He's like, you know, abide in me because apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, that's why God would want us to know him. And Jesus is saying, you need me and I want you to know me. I want you to trust in me. I want you to give me the reins to this thing. And then in 5.11, 15.11, I'm sorry, in John 15.11, he says this, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Full. It's funny to me because we... When we think about joy, our human sinful selves, when we think about joy, we think what will make our joy full is to make other things full. Well, Lord, if you make my bank account full, then I'll be happy. You know? Lord, if you give me that relationship I've always wanted, then my heart will be full and I'll be happy. Lord, if you... Help me complete that collection I've been working on. Well, then my collection will be full and I'll be happy, right? But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches and you need me. In fact, you need me for your joy. And not only do you need me, but I want to give it to you. What did he say? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. How amazing is that? That Jesus would want to do that for us. It really spins on its head Christ coming, being born humble in a manger. No room in the inn. Nothing for you here. You know, not even a Motel 8, right? And Jesus comes and is born to us in the most humble way possible. 
that he might save the world, that he might make himself known, that he might prove his love to us, that he might bring us things like peace and all those other words that we talked about, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, that he might give us the Holy Spirit, that he might have this ministry to show us what it looks like to live and love like him. John 16, 13 says this. It says, when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, this is an interesting passage because in this passage, Jesus gets to talking to the disciples. And they're super confused, which is pretty normal for those guys. Um, and to be honest with you, I think we probably would have been too. I mean, just trying to piece the whole thing together and understand at times, you know, what, what God was doing and what Jesus was really doing in these moments and all these things, you know, but one of the things that we see in this is that we see uh, that Jesus comes, right, and he's talking to them, and he's saying to them, I'm going to, there's going to be a moment when I'm going to go be with the Father, and then I'll come back. And they're, and they're basically asking this question, if you look at, through, read through John 16, I encourage you to do that today. If you read through John 16, they're asking the question, like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean, what, what is this that you... You're, you're going to leave us, and you're coming back, and but when when is this happening? Is this soon? Is this? I mean, you're not leaving right now. You're not leaving soon, are you? Like we're just getting something good going here, right? You know. And he says, "I'm going to leave with you the Spirit." Now they're clueless, right? They're completely clueless. Like he's going to leave with us a Spirit. What? I mean, already they thought he was a ghost when he was out walking on the water. You know, I can only imagine like what they were thinking when he's talking about this. But then he starts teaching about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right here, John 16, verse 13. And what's he saying? He's helping us to understand how the Spirit does the work for us and shows us. And these things that he works in us, says, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. We need the Holy Spirit to understand God's truth, right? For he will not speak on his own authority, right? But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. I'm sure this had the disciples' heads just spinning around backwards, right? And then in verse 14, he says, He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you. If you let him, he's going to lead you. If you let him, if you let him. And I think the truth is, is for a lot of churches for a long time, we've kind of been, you know, not as much about the Holy Spirit, we tend to 
As a pastor friend of mine always said, treat it like the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity, which always offended redheads, especially those that were stepchildren. But we, we do kind of, you know, orphan out the Holy Spirit, and we're like, oh, I love God the Father, I love Jesus. Man, listen, we, we need to be about the Holy Spirit working in us, leading us, guiding us. We need Him. We need Him. This church needs Him. The world needs Him. We need to let Him speak into our lives and lead us and guide us in understanding God's truth that He will take what was Jesus', Jesus and declare it to us. Right? That He will guide us into all the truth. That's how we have an understanding of who God is. What His Word means. That's how we know Jesus is the Spirit speaking to our hearts. You don't, you don't get born being a Christian. Now, you might be born into a Christian home, right? We understand that. But I have this conversation from time to time with people when I ask them, you know, you know when did you become a Christian? And they'll say to me, well, I've always been a Christian. And, you know, that's, it, I have to be careful with how I word it because I don't want to just offend them. I'm not trying to run folks off, but I want them to understand the truth of the gospel. And that truth is understanding that we didn't just always know Jesus. At some point, we came to the reality that we are sinners and that we needed a Savior. And then we trusted in Christ to be that Savior for us. And He's the only one that can be that Savior for us. The Holy Spirit's the one that leads us in that. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts our hearts in those moments to help us to see our sin. And even as believers, even still, the Holy Spirit still convicts our hearts, right? And at times when we're thinking about making that decision, and we're like, yeah, I think I think be all right. I think I think go out on my own with this one. You know, I think I think I'll be all right. The Lord will forgive me, right? And the Holy Spirit's in our heart going, uh-uh-uh, don't do it, don't fall for it, sin destroys. And we're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not hearing that, I'm not hearing that right now. I like this, I want to do this, leave me alone. It's the Holy Spirit. This passage in, 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 in uh, chapter 16 goes on, and he talks about sorrow being turned to joy. In fact, Jesus is instructing the disciples in this moment after they've had this conversation that I was telling you about where he's like, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go be with the Father, but I'm coming back. And they're real confused. And he's like, look, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you guys are going to be upset. In fact, the, this, the verse starts out, verse 20. Go ahead and read it with me. John 16, 20. And, and he's saying, you're going you're gonna to be upset, but it's going to be okay. And here's how he says, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And he's talking about when they would kill him. And he says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For the joy 
a human being has been born, that human being has been born into the world. I can't speak for all women, but I can say that at least my wife at least remembers the anguish of the one that she didn't get an epidural with. He goes on in verse 22, he says, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And verse 23 goes on and says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Well, that sounds familiar. I think he just said that a chapter before. That your joy may be full. He's that interested in our joy. He cares that much about our happiness. You know what it reminds me of? Reminds me of a good parent. A good parent. I mean, if you are a parent, then you understand this, but you know, if you're a parent, man, there's there's nothing that you want more than for your child to be happy. I mean, you love that, right? That's why sometimes we maybe try to go about that the wrong way. So like, let's just buy them everything they ever want because we just want them to be happy. Well, that, that doesn't work. We know that, right? But in general, we love to see our children happy. And God the Father loves us. And He knows that He is the one that has the joy that we need that is lasting in our lives that is impactful in our lives. And Jesus is basically looking at his boys and he's like, look, you guys are sad now. And you're going to be sad in a minute when I go and I'm with the Father. But guess what? Even while everybody else is rejoicing, there's no reason, no reason that my joy can't be enough for you. In fact, he says, verse 22 so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. No one will take your joy from you. Then he goes into this whole, you know, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. That is a piece of a puzzle that I believe is missing from a lot of Christians' lives. I think a lot of believers are working through life all on their own, and man, you're doing a great job, but there's still a something missing, right? The joy. And you've, you've figured out, you know, the occupation, you figured out the house, you figured out a car payment. Great. Awesome. Pat on the back. What have you asked for in the name of Jesus? 
What are you going to the feet of the Father with right now? And laying at His feet, what are you asking for? God wants to give it to you. But listen, this isn't, this isn't, you know, the price is right. You know, I want to win the showcase showdown, right? This is, this is something better than that. This isn't about getting what we want in this world. This is about us being in Christ, right? What did he say? Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the name of the Father, he will give it to you until now. You have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. You've got to remember, this is all flowing out of one, one letter, right? This one teaching that also is Jesus is divine and we are the branches. And if He's divine for us, we're not just wanting random stuff in this world. We're wanting the things of the heart of Jesus. Our hearts are aligning to His because we're seeking to be with Him. Our relationship has grown. And now our desires are different. And they're desires that are kingdom desires. God, do that work in their life. God, help me through this thing. Right? Don't miss this great opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord and to in turn have our heart changed to where it looks like His, and He allow us to get to be a part of the process in which He answers prayers and does great things for His kingdom because we asked. Like, Chris, I've been asking for stuff. Okay, I hear you. Is it God's stuff? I hope so. He's listening. I promise you He's listening. Don't give up on that. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in your faithfulness in that. He's listening. He gives us our joy. He wants to give you joy. But He wants to give you joy in Him. And when you can get joy in Him, then, my experience is, then maybe it'll allow you to have joy in some of these other things that you so desperately want. But then that usually comes as like, a, like an aftermath thing. Not because we deserve it, but because He just loves us, because we're His children. And He wants to bless us. And He chooses what that looks like, not us. Right? And it may not look like what we think it should look like. And that's okay. I want to read a few verses to you, if you will. And I'm just going to read them, and I'm not going to say anything about them. Proverbs 17:22. A joyful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Psalm 16:11. You make known the path to me, the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 35. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 51, 12, first part. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Luke 10, 20, second part. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Habakkuk 3, 18. 
yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You hear some of the theme there? Salvation. Take joy in the God of my salvation. Your names are written in heaven. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. First Peter 1, 8 says this. It says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of your souls. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Folks, Jesus is the treasure, not the idols that we've chosen in this world, which is why we sing joy to the world at this time of year, because the joy has come. And we anticipate getting to celebrate His coming. Our Savior has come. And it's the answer. This is the answer to the question. Remember the question? What is the good news of great joy for all the people? What is the good news of great joy for all the people? The good news of great joy for all the people is Jesus came to save sinners which is who we are. Jesus came to bring salvation. There's joy. There's joy. As we wait to celebrate His birth to remember on Christmas Day, and joy in being reminded that He's coming again. The anticipation continues for us. They waited, and they waited, and they waited. And the prophecies were read and prayed over. And when is the Messiah coming? And then He came. And then they killed Him. And He died for me, and He died for you. That we might have that salvation, that we might have the answer to that question of what is the good news of great joy for all the people that we might receive grace. And the question is left today, is He your treasure? Is He? Is He your treasure? Is He your joy? I hope so. If He's not, that can change today. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about it. I'll be out in the foyer when I walk off this stage to do so. For those of us that are believers today, may we truly ask that question to ourselves. Is He really our joy? Christmas means joy. Let's pray. God, we thank You. We thank you for allowing us to get to receive the greatest gift of all time, your grace, your son. 
God, I pray, Lord, that we would recognize that joy comes from you. And God, may we trust in that. May we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in understanding that, believing that today in our lives. Lord, change us. Make us more like you. Lord, for anyone that has never believed, anyone that's never trusted in you, God, I pray that you would open their hearts today. Help them to believe today. Save them today. Save them from their sin and give them that joy. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray all this today in his name. Amen.